0: You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team
1: every day.
2: What's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along as we count down the days of 2020. On today's show, yet another SEC Bowl game canceled. Arkansas versus TCU in the Texas Bowl has been canceled. We'll talk with John Neighbors of Locked On Razorbacks, all about it. However, we'll have one SEC team playing in a bowl game tonight, albeit shorthanded. Florida will take on Oklahoma tonight in the Cotton Bowl. Graham Hall of the Gainesville Sun will join us to preview that matchup. And we will go around the conference for some tidbits from across the SEC. I'm Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked On SEC for free wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. Really looking forward to our conversations with John Neighbors and Graham Hall coming up in just a bit. But first, let's go around the conference.
0: Boots out to the right. Makes the, it's on. To the ball. What a catch!
2: Around the conference. Yet another bowl game canceled in the SEC. Yesterday, it was announced TCU dealing with an increase in COVID issues. They had to pull out of the Texas Bowl on New Year's Eve. Thus. The game will be canceled, and Arkansas will be staying home and not bowling. It was going to be Arkansas's first bowl appearance since 2016, and they received the invite despite finishing the year at 3-7. and seven. So if you're keeping count, that is now Arkansas, Missouri, South Carolina, and Tennessee, all SEC teams that had their bowl games canceled due to COVID issues, either on their side or their opponent's side bond that with LSU self-imposed opting out of a bowl game. And not gonna have many SEC teams playing in bowls this year. It's gonna be weird. Speaking of, a report from AL.com says that Auburn will be without at least three key players in the Citrus Bowl against Northwestern State. Or Northwestern, I'm sorry, due to opt-outs. Safety Jamie and Sherwood, wide receiver Anthony Schwartz, and defensive back Christian Tutt. Are all not expected to play in the bowl game. They have not even been practicing with the team. The Citrus Bowl is scheduled for 12 p.m. Central, 1 p.m. Eastern this Friday on ABC. Making that much tougher on interim head coach Kevin Steele. Over at Tennessee, their outside linebacker DeAndre Johnson has entered the transfer portal. He was tied for the team lead in four and a half sacks this season. Also had two forced fumbles. Johnson played four seasons for the Vols, but still has a year of eligibility remaining with all the COVID stuff going on. He now joins Jared Garantano, Austin Pope, Jordan Allen, Balin Buchanan, J.T. Stroud, among others, who have all entered the transfer portal. Stroud's the only one we know is definitely on his way over to Colorado. All the other ones, question marks. Over at Mississippi State, it was announced their former running back, Kylan Hill, has committed to play in the Senior Bowl coming up. He'll appear in just three games this season for the Bulldogs, dealing with injuries before ultimately deciding to opt out. Most memorable in the season opener at LSU, Kylan Hill had eight catches for 158 yards and a touchdown. Wish we could have seen more of that Kylan Hill the senior year at Mississippi State. Alabama wide receiver Devontae Smith, he was named the AP Player of the Year he becomes the first wide receiver to ever win the award. Some believe it could be a preview of the Heisman Trophy, as he finished well ahead of his teammate Mac Jones in the AP vote. The Heisman Trophy will be presented on January fifth, next week. Over at LSU, their wide receiver Racy McMath officially declared for the NFL Draft. He's a guy who spent much of his career playing special teams for the Tigers, but he did record 33 receptions for 520 yards and four touchdowns in 34 games played. He was, of course, part of that national championship team last year at LSU, contributing in the past game that year behind the likes of Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and Terrace Marshall. So best of luck to Racy McMath in the draft. SEC basketball got underway last night. LSU stomped all over Texas A&M. They were led by freshman Cameron Thomas, who scored 32 points for the Tigers. It's the most points in a game by a Division I freshman this season. He's a lot of fun to watch if you have not seen Cam Thomas yet for LSU. In addition, Alabama beat up on Ole Miss to get their first SEC win, so LSU and Alabama both 1-0 in the conference so far, of course, South Carolina, Kentucky. Last night was postponed. Tonight, in the conference we get at 6 p.m. Central, 7 Eastern. It's Mississippi State at 7 0 Georgia. That'll be on the SEC Network. At the same time, it's 8 0 Arkansas at Auburn on ESPN2. Later in the night, 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, it's number 7 Tennessee at number 12 Mizzou. That's a good top two top 12 team matchups. That'll be on the SEC Network, And then at the same time over on ESPN2, it'll be Florida at Vanderbilt. We'll get a thought on that game from Graham Hall in just a bit. That's unfortunate for Gator fans. Your first SEC game in basketball, going head-to-head with your football team in a bowl game. That's what it is. And that is around the conference. Coming up next, our conversation with Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun. He will tell us what to expect from Florida Take it on Oklahoma tonight in the Cotton Bowl, albeit Florida, a little shorthanded, especially on the offensive side without their four best pass catchers. Kyle Trask is playing, though, so he'll have to throw the ball to somebody. We'll find out next who he'll be throwing the ball to from Graham Hall right here on Locked on SEC. Quick minute here for our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar, we always tell you, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. You know, when you go to the gym early in the morning or in the afternoon and you get in a good workout and you just look for something to pop in your mouth after that workout. And too early for a meal. Don't want to anything too heavy. Built Bar is the perfect option for you guys. I'm telling you right now, sometimes you'll stop at the gas station and pick up, pick up one of those. Uh, protein bars there always have that chalky aftertaste, not the case with Built Bar. They are bars covered in 100% chocolate. you got 18 amazing flavors, six new ones, including the Cookies and Cream, which is my favorite. Built Bar is for the person who wants to lose or maintain weight while you indulge in a delicious treat. They are low-calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. The Cookies and Cream that I like, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, Do yourself a favor right now. Go check them out right now at BuiltBar.com, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. And if you find something you like, when you hit the checkout button, make sure you put in the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you will get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. We're all along here, Locked on SEC. I want to remind you guys, betting on the SEC doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers, subscribe to Locked on Bets, the podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready for... An SEC Bowl game that we think is going to happen, my goodness, with all the cancellations and everything moving around. We think we're going to get uh, Florida versus Oklahoma tonight, and it will be an interesting game because this is the first time we're going to see Florida without a large complement of their receiving weapons. To so join us now to talk all about it is our buddy Graham Hall, Gators beat writer for the Gainesville Sun. And... Graham, what was your reaction when you heard, obviously, we we expected Kyle Pitts to opt out of the bowl game. That wasn't a surprise, but, man, to hear from Kadarius Tony to Trevon Grimes, and then we find out Copeland's out with COVID, that is quite a loss for Kyle Trask.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and thanks for having me here. Always my pleasure to be here in talk Gators, especially with you, and, you know, Jacob Copeland, is you point out, I thought that that was going to be a guy who absolutely had an opportunity to maybe not even so much capitalize on some missed opportunities this year, but set himself off on the right track for next year, where he supposedly was going to be what Trayvon Grimes had this year and Kadarius Toney had this year. He was going to be the chance to show that he could be the number one wide receiver heading into spring, even though we didn't get one this year. He had a chance to show that this was going to be his time to shine, And unfortunately, testing positive for COVID-19 right before the trip. And I got to say, a very minimal, small window between the SEC championship game and this actual bowl game, it kind of begs the question what happened in in those, what, 11 days since Florida lost to Alabama and Atlanta. But they can't really focus on that. Florida has to go out there and find a way to win this game. And as you mentioned, they're doing it without their best weapons out there, without Kyle Pitt who, the first team, AP All-American, going to get a brick in Gainesville, doing it without Kadarius Tony as well, who made monumental improvements and have some people talking about him as being a first, possible second round NFL draft pick up, up here in the next few months. You don't know what Florida is going to look like tonight, absolutely. They could try and run the ball, they could try and win the game on the backs of their defense, which, as we all know, has not really been the case whatsoever this season. But this is a chance for some unheralded playmakers to step up. If you've been following Dan Mullen and his comments for the last couple of years, he has hyped up some guys like Jamarcus Weston, Trent Whittemore, as well, returning from that uh, punctured lung injury that he had or earlier in the season. This is a chance for, for Dan Mullen to once again have guys step up, and if they're going to have a deep pass catching core next season as well, it's it's the time is now to make those uh, improvements and. To to have guys start stating their cases for that next season
2: yeah I almost felt like maybe this would have been a chance for even Kyle Trask to sit out and say hey Emery Jones it's your show my man you're you're the guy next year here's your chance to go shine in the bowl game but uh I mean in all seriousness I mean could we see a lot of dump-offs to the running backs I know Malik Davis caught 29 catches this year Naquan Wright had 17 I mean do we see a lot more screen game to the running backs tonight
1: I think it's really possible, but you know, first I got to give Kyle Trask a whole lot of credit because of all the names I just mentioned sitting out the bowl game. If anyone really could have rested and and just solidified their draft stock and and not risked the injury, it should be a guy like Kyle Trask. Who you know, you talk about monumental rises. I think that guy should be the picture of the word monumental rise <laughs> wherever you know they're going to list that definition right now. You look at his story; everyone harps on the two-star ranking. Part of that is coming from manville texas and even when florida went to texas a&m this year kyle trask got i think 40 family members who who went to attend that game to see him there from nearby texas so when florida found out that they were going back to texas to play in the cotton Bowl, trask realized pretty soon okay i'm gonna be playing once more in front of my family because you never really know and i hate to make it kind of sad here in a sense you never know the last time you're going to get to play in front of your family members and while i think that kyle trask does have a promising NFL career ahead of him, he's going to absolutely take this victory lap opportunity to play in front of 20 family members tonight. Uh, You know, fun fact real quick, I have to mention, a lot of people out there, and I, I mentioned this to Kyle Trask last week when we talked to him over Zoom, but he's not the first person in his family to play in the Cotton Bowl. His grandfather, Orville Trask, who played defensive tackle at Rice University back in the 50s before playing for the Houston Oilers in the 60s, he played in that famous 1954 Cotton Bowl Classic against <laughs> Alabama, uh, and and he, you know, many people remember that as the Tommy Lewis game, and uh, where he ran out on the field. Kyle Trask's grandfather was part of a piece of history there with Rice. They won that game 28 to six. Also beat the Florida Gators in that season. Two ranked teams that, uh, you know, shouldn't really have to explain how monumental they are. to Use that word again in college football, but a lot of history, a lot of fun things for Kyle Trask to think about outside this game. So, you know, to answer your question, I think that Florida tries to get the running backs more involved. I think Kyle Trask is going to spread the ball around. This is a chance for Malik Davis, Damian Pierce. You talk about guys who didn't really have a chance to show out this year, like Kadarius Tony and the Kyle Pitts and Grimes. Those guys, I think Florida, they would like to get them involved more because you really have not get to see how much how, how talented those guys are this season. Just for a variety of reasons, mainly Florida's inability to establish the run due to uh, a variety of factors, most of them run blocking. So this is a time for those guys to have one final chance at padding the stats, showing that they're worthy of being uh, getting a chance to make an NFL roster in some capacity in the future uh, because Florida has two former five-star running backs behind them who also want their turn to shine next season.
2: Talking with Graham Hall, covers the Gators for the Gainesville Sun. Uh, the, The latest betting line is crazy. When we previewed this game on Monday... Florida was, I think, around a two-and-a-half, three-and-a-half-point favorite. And as soon as the news came out of all the opt-outs yesterday, that line swung to Oklahoma as a three-point favorite. This is on betonline.ag. And now, looking at it today, it's up to Oklahoma is now a four-point favorite. So it's a crazy swing how, how much that's happened. Let me ask you this, Graham. Uh, obviously, Florida fans a little bit disappointed with how this season went with what the expectations were and how high the hopes were going into at least that LSU game. If they get a bunch of points hung on them tonight, let's say Oklahoma wins this, say 52-28 to 28 or something like that, will they reevaluate Todd Grantham, and, and is there a chance he's not back next year?
1: Absolutely. I think there's more than just a chance. I think that you can read into Dan Mullen's comments from the last week saying that we're going to evaluate every aspect of the program after the season. Really, this is a chance to capitalize on Florida and to celebrate it excuse me, celebration is a better word, <clears throat> excuse me, chance to celebrate uh, a, a New Year's Six Bowl, which doesn't come around very often, even though Florida has had consecutive ones now. You, you have, to have to give the players, the coaches, a chance to really in, enjoy what they've earned, in a sense. And that includes Todd Grantham. And so anyone expecting, I think, a defensive coordinator change from a New Year's Six team, especially the sixth-highest-paid assistant coach in all of college football, I I think was, not not to call anyone out, I think was just a little bit naive thinking that that would happen because changing defensive coordinators right before your New York City Bowl is pretty much much telling the world that you don't really think you are going to have a chance of stopping this Oklahoma offense led by Spencer Rattler. And, you know, that may be absolutely the true case of what happens tonight, but you have to give your team the best chance to go out there and win that game. And firing the defensive coordinator would have sent a horrible message. With that being said, I think that that is something that you will see evaluated when you look at Todd Grantham's contract. He was under contract for next season. Usually, if that's the case, coaches don't want to go into the year with it being a contract year in a sense. So either they're going to have some clarity here in the near future in terms of an extension or in terms of just ending their agreement right now in terms to have him on, on Florida's coaching staff. You look at, let me let me compare him to the Sooners' defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch, literally making about the same amount of money, only one thousand five hundred dollars less. You know, Oklahoma's ranked uh, the number what number nineteen overall defense in college football. You would think that based on pay to have a middle of the pack defense, most people would say that you aren't getting your money's worth, and that's something that Florida is going to have to determine after the season, I just got to say, I would not be too surprised, even though I do think there's more than a chance that he's gone, I would not be too surprised if Todd Grantham is back in Gainesville next season, at least for one more year, based on what I just said about his contract. You're not going to get $1.8 million just everywhere lying on your couch. And from what I've heard inside the program, Florida does believe that the personnel and the lack of development time afforded, especially to defensive players who weren't doing live tackling, weren't having in-person meetings, everything that goes into making sure Todd Grantham, a guy like him, can run his scheme successfully, you weren't getting that in the year 2020 with the pandemic. So Florida is, I think, a little bit more forgiving of the defensive dropouts than a lot of the fan bases
2: right now. Yeah, I was going to say there are a lot of fans who are not very forgiving. Graham Hall. Last thing for you, man. I know you covered the basketball front, and we get started this week with SEC basketball uh, interconference play. Let me just get your thoughts on Keontae Johnson. I know everybody was shocked with with what happened with him a couple weeks ago, and thankfully it seems like he's doing much better. Where, where are we with him and and his basketball career?
1: Yeah, it's a very difficult question to answer. You know, I. It's not really my place to say. Oh, I I think he will return. I think he won't return. I just got to say, I'm glad that he is alive, and it's looking like he has a chance of living a a healthy life. I I think that, you know, outside of the Gainesville Sun, which we did report his diagnosis, outside of reporting his diagnosis, I, I think that we are most of what you'll see here will either come from the program and Scott Strickland or Keontae's family in terms of how. Uh, he, he will proceed but I think everyone right now is just grateful that he is still alive uh, one of the nicest people I, I have ever had the chance of meeting, period, outside of this profession especially uh, he always has a smile on his face always dancing so well mannered I, I cannot and, and one of the most genuine well liked <laughs> athletes I, I could go on and on and on about everything that he uh, does that you admire and just to have him still with us I think I'm glad that that is the focus, but the point is we cover the Gators, and they are going to play tonight at Vanderbilt to open SEC play. And while this is a Vanderbilt team that, outside of Scottie Pippen Jr., really is struggling in SEC play under Coach Jerry Stackhouse, going back several seasons now, so maybe this is a a chance for Florida to not have too much pressure in the return to the court, but no one has really been focused on basketball activities themselves for the last two weeks before Sunday in Gainesville and how they will fill that massive irreplaceable void left by Keontae Johnson just remains to be seen. Uh, I'm not totally sure who starts tonight. I believe it's going to be Anthony DeRuzzi making the start of power forward, but that's a guy who really was suffering from a lot of quarantine and a lack of conditioning uh, before Keontae's uh, horrific collapse. So we'll have to see what this looks like. It's definitely going to be a by-committee approach for this team. They're going to struggle at times to play basketball. It's going to be an emotional one. But they are going to attempt to play for Keontae Johnson um, rather than move on from him. And uh, he will be around home games this season. You'll see him near the bench. His girlfriend plays on the women's basketball team. He's going to be around the program for, for a while now here, and uh, we will have to see if he is able to return to basketball activities after this season.
2: Graham Hall, Gators beat writer for the Gainesville Sun. Follow him on Twitter at Hall underscore. Graham, thanks so much for the time, man. Always good to catch up.
1: Always my pleasure. I hope everyone out there is doing safe doing staying safe staying healthy and i'll talk to you next time
2: thanks so much great man graham graham hall there of the gainesville uh son does a great job and we always appreciate catching up with him coming up next our conversation with john neighbors from locked on razorbacks I know you guys are ready for some football, college football in the midst of the bowl season. Some big matchups going into this weekend, NFL regular season finishing up this weekend as well. There was only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, and that is betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. you get 50% off welcome bonus when you sign up. Just some games we're looking at. Obviously, we got the Gators and Oklahoma tonight. Night we mentioned already Oklahoma now a four point favorite at Bet Online. If you're feeling like the Gators might have a chance, go jump in and uh, put a little cash on them and see what they can do uh, tonight with the Gators without all their leading receivers. But don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action now. Don't forget to use that promo code Locked On. You'll get a fifty percent welcome bonus with your first deposit at Bet Online. Your online sportsbook experts. Hey Wednesdays on Locked On NFL They take a dive into the future of your favorite NFL franchises Tony Wiggins and James Rapian are joined every week By a Locked On draft expert to talk prospects in the upcoming draft And young NFL players fresh in the league Did your team have a big rookie performance this week? Are they shaping up to have a premier draft pick in next year's draft? Get everything you need Wednesdays on Locked on NFL. Subscribe to Locked on NFL wherever you get your podcasts. And speaking of the Locked on Podcast Network, one of our favorite hosts, host of the Locked on Razorbacks podcast, John Neighbors, joins us now. And, John, I was fully planning to have you on, my man, to preview Arkansas versus TCU in the Texas Bowl. And, well, TCU went and messed that up, and now we we don't even get a bowl game.
0: I know. Like, it it just can't. 2020 cannot end <laughs> quick enough, man. Just like every single time, every single week, there's something stupid that can't happens, and now the latest is – the Texas Bowl ain't going to happen. I was looking forward to going down to Houston, too, man, so I'm pretty bummed by it.
2: Well, the thing that stinks, too, John, is that was the night game on New Year's Eve. Like, I'm so used to being at a, you know, in years past in my younger days, being at a bar and, you know, oh, we got a football game on and we're getting ready to count down the new year. The last game on New Year's now, New Year's Eve, is 3 o'clock, West Virginia Army in the Liberty Bowl, which, by the way, West Virginia repla- or Army replaced Tennessee, but – like, it stinks. Like, that game's going to end around 6. We're going to have no bowl game on that night. So, just from a selfish standpoint of not even an Arkansas standpoint, we get no football that night.
0: I know, man. I, I was looking forward to that fact, too, because me and my buddies were making plans for, like, the New Year's. I know families and people that were calling into my radio show today were saying that they had plans for New Year's, and it all revolved around the Texas Bowl. <laughs> and now that it's no longer, it's like you got to kind of call an audible and and make it happen. So I'm just disappointed more for Arkansas because, you know, bowl games are bowl games. Some people like them. Some people don't care about them. Some teams enjoy them or whatnot, but like, this was actually going to be great for Arkansas, man. Like they haven't been to a bowl game since 2016. And (laughs) a lot of these players have never even been on a bowl game or a bowl team period since they joined Arkansas. So this was going to be an awesome moment. And now they don't even get to enjoy it. So I'm really bummed for them more so than anybody. Well, let's
2: talk about it. Even though Arkansas is not going to be playing their bowl game and they head into the offseason now, there is some really good news that's come out this past week for Arkansas. Let's start with some of the guys that have announced they're coming back. How surprised were you to hear that, what, the entire offensive line is coming back on top of some big names on the defense as well?
0: You know, I knew that there were going to be a few players coming back for their senior year, but I would have never dreamed to be as many as what has come back. Like, I thought maybe – uh, you know, a guy like Ty Clary, one of the offensive linemen, would come back. Maybe a Davion Warren, a wide receiver who, you know, re- wasn't really a, an NFL prospect at all, and isn't right now. But maybe if he would have stayed healthy, could have had a chance at it. So I like I I understood them coming back, but I was really surprised when Grant Morgan decided to come back, which it led that he was a first-team All SEC linebacker. He comes back. Uh, you got Myron Cunningham, who was a, a big-time offensive on one of the. Offensive line was great for Arkansas, but they were definitely much improved, and he was one of the reasons why. Him coming back, and it, it just, and you keep adding in to the guys into the mix, and we'll see about uh, Jonathan Marshall. He's the other one that everyone's looking at is possibly coming back. So uh, as of right now, it looks pretty good, man, and it's just great because now, uh, assuming Felipe Franks ends up leaving and, and going to the NFL and trying his hand there, Arkansas is returning pretty much everybody on the two deep on their offense next year. Like, I know that wasn't the best offense of all time, but if you told me you could have that for any team going into the next season, then that's pretty big time. No,
2: that's huge when you consider, obviously, you know, Alabama going to re- be replacing a lot. We'll see what, what Ole Miss does. They'll have Matt Corral back. LSU is going to be in flux with losing some guys so I mean it, it it when you look at it a lot of people might be picking Arkansas as a kind of the sleeper in the west next year just because they're going to be bringing back so much and the good thing for them is yeah you lose Felipe Franks but KJ Jefferson you know in spot duty when he's had to play he's looked pretty good uh, what did you make of KJ Jefferson as a quarterback this year and how confident are you in him going into next year
0: you know it's it's tough because and this nothing against Missouri but you know he performed well against Missouri, and that's fine. That's an SEC opponent, and I think the confidence definitely got risen if he decides to take over the reins in that case. But you know there's still there's still some skepticism. It's like you know you want to know how much he can do with his legs. You want to know uh, how accurate he can be at times and his decision making. Like there's still some questions. But assuming that Brutey Frank moves on, I think Arkansas is really in really good shape. Not only did I have him, but will Malik Hornsby who was a true freshman this year, and he redshirted. Uh, he was a four-star coming out of the state of Texas, and he's a guy that's got a lot of speed and athleticism to him as well. So I, I think that they'll be able to find a f- fine quarterback. It's just Franks was so good this year. I know he, people didn't give him maybe as much credit as he deserved, but like he was so good and so uh, uh, exactly what Arkansas needed during this year. Like he-, he couldn't have asked for anything more. And so it's, it's just a bummer that his last game has to end with a drubbing of Alabama at home, like that's going to be the last game he gets to play as Arkansas, but I think Arkansas will be fine heading the next year. It's just going to have to see, all right, what elements can K.J. Jefferson add that Felipe Franks couldn't? Like, could they maybe run a different type of offense? Does he have different strengths? We've only been able to see him really in one game, and it was a good one, but uh, let's see what he can do once uh, he has he's the full range and he's QB1, uh, hopefully in spring practice and also heading into fall camp.
2: Are you expecting both coordinators back, Kendall Bryles and Barry Odom? I know uh, a lot of people are high on them throughout the year and you know, maybe I know there's not a whole lot of coaching openings right now, but maybe they, they get a sniff or an interview with some of the open jobs. What, what are you thinking as far as them being back?
0: I'll say this. I, I know that maybe for the Barry Odom and, and Kendall Bryles, like they want to be head coaches, just like a lot of people do in that position, you know, that wants to be their next step. But I'm telling you right now, there is something about Sam Pittman, and I, I think the more you get to know him, the more you understand it. People love being around him. They love coaching around him, and they love playing for him, and it has nothing to do with just him being a nice guy. Like, he's just a guy that really is able to get the most out of players and out of coaches. And But he does it in a way that makes it, like, enjoyable to work with. And I've heard many of the, uh, I've heard a few of the coaches say this, and a lot of the players say it too. They just feel like, You know, he's just a guy that encompasses everything you want in a football coach. And I don't see them, uh, Kendall Bryles or Barry Odom, leaving unless it's for a head coaching job. Like, I don't see anybody coming in and swooping in and getting them as a coordinator. I know LSU was, you know, saying, a lot of people saying, ooh, could they get Barry Odom? No. I think Barry Odom and these guys, they love being at Arkansas. They love coaching with Sam Pittman. And they love being able to have the freedom and opportunities that, uh, a lot of coaches desire. So I don't see them leaving unless it's a head coaching gig, or maybe I could see maybe if Art Briles found a way to get back into the coaching ranks and he needed an OC, maybe Kendall goes and joins him. But besides that, I think everybody's staying put.
2: Look, I enjoyed the conference only schedule this year, but I'm really looking forward to getting back to a full schedule next year and playing some non-conference games. And want to look at what Arkansas gets, you know, Arkansas Pine Bluff, Georgia Southern, Rice, those are all wins. But, man, the Texas Longhorns coming to Fayetteville, that's an exciting game. Uh, you know, it looks like Tom Herman's going to be back over there. So that could be a really fun one for the, uh, the interstate rivalry there.
0: Oh, I can't wait. Like, that's the game that people have had circled. That game was supposed to be played in 2009. And that's why the game is being played this year, because at that point, Arkansas signed that contract with Texas A&M before they joined the SEC to play them. And so they kind of had to say, all right, well, we're going to push this game back. And so that game's been a long time waiting. (laughs) Razorback fans have been looking forward to that. And I think it's going to be awesome because, you know, Tom Herman is kind of on the hot seat, as we all know, and we don't know what they're going to look like next year. But people are feeling so good about Arkansas right now. And the fact that that's going to be week two of the season next year, you get a really good early indication of what this team's all about. And the fact that it's Texas, which has a long history between these two teams, I mean, you could not ask for a better, more, uh, fun matchup to look forward to. I'm just hoping that next year we can have 70, 80,000 people in the stands for this game because there's going to be a lot of Razorback fans that are going to want to see this one.
2: Yeah, it's a lot of uh, old-school Southwest Conference games with Rice, Texas, Texas A&M, and Arkansas. My goodness, that's uh, that harkens back to back in the day. We're talking with our buddy John Neighbors, locked on Razorback. So what do you have planned here these next couple of weeks, man? I guess getting ready for the the second part of recruiting day?
0: Yeah, I think that'll be part of it. I know Razorback basketballs in full flux, and the conference season starts, and I know people are uh, looking forward to that. I am as well. Like I've loved watching this Razorback basketball team, and there's there's a lot of Razorback basketball fans here in this state, a very passionate fan base. So as uh, as far as that kind of be the in betweener, I guess until uh, the signing day happens. And even though it's like signing day in February, doesn't really matter as much, you know. It used to <laughs> be a big deal, but now the early signing period's kind of taken over for it. So. Really just uh, having a lot of basketball talk, heading right into spring football and kind of mixing them both in. And there we go. Let's hope that we can have some fun with it and, and uh, enjoy and enjoy that ride, too. Football was fun just because Arkansas was actually competitive in most games. So now let's see, uh, see if basketball and baseball can do the same thing as well. Yeah, and by the
2: way, for those wondering, uh, a really good one tonight with uh, Arkansas opening up their uh, SEC play on the road at Auburn, 8-0 Arkansas at 6-2 Auburn. And I'm um, looking at betonline.ag right now, and the Razorbacks are a slight road favorite. So uh, how about that?
0: Yeah, I mean, they, uh, they're they're looking good so far. And this game against Auburn's going to tell them a lot, going to see how good they are and where they stack up in the conference. But honestly – uh, I'm not trying to look ahead, but that game on Saturday, Missouri coming to Fayetteville, it's going to be on CBS. Bill Rafferty's going to be in the house there. Bud Walton Arena, like it's a big deal. So they got a they got a couple games, and after that one, Tennessee on the road, which uh, is a, is a really great team as well. So we'll know exactly where this team stacks up in the in the SEC very early going in the conference season.
2: John, enjoy the, uh, the offseason, my friend. Uh, again, I was fully expecting to break that. Who, who were you picking in the game? Was Arkansas going to beat TCU? Dude,
0: hogs by 90, man. <laughs> uh, buddy. Hogs by 90. know, I mean, honestly, I thought that they'd win. I, I just felt like Arkansas, they had a fully healthy staff. Like, everyone was healthy. That's what they made sure of, that everybody was good to go. And so, I feel like with a healthy Razorback football team, you saw what they were capable of in the SEC. I don't see any difference. Why it could have been that way and against TCU, so I would have picked them anyways. But it uh, would have been interesting to see for sure.
2: The cool thing is too, we'll get to see Felipe in the uh, in the Senior Bowl along with Kellen Mond and a whole Kyle Trask. I mean, it's basically all SEC players anyway. But hopefully, uh, Felipe gets a little action in the game.
0: Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope we get to see exactly uh, what he can do too. I think Razorback fans are behind him, man. They wanted him to have nothing but the best. So hopefully, he ends up really showing out in that game.
2: Go check out Locked on Razorbacks, our favorite John Neighbors hosting that one. John, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it.
0: I appreciate it, man. Have a good one.
2: All righty. John Neighbors there of Locked on Razorbacks does a great job. And uh, here's hoping I uh, always get to see him every year at SEC Media Days. We missed out on that this past year. So here's hoping that uh, things get back to normal somewhat by the summertime and we get you uh, full coverage from uh, SEC Media Days once again. And Get to catch up with John and uh, test out his karaoke skills once again. That is uh, just about going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. My thanks so much to Graham Hall and John Neighbors. Talking a little bit of the Florida and Arkansas flavors as we continue on here on a holiday week. Counting down the final days of 2020. One more episode tomorrow. New Year's Eve edition of Locked on SEC. We will talk to you guys tomorrow right here on Locked on SEC.